Well, good morning, all. Thank you, Ash and worship team, for leading us this morning. It's so good. Just a reminder of who our God is. And, and uh, I don't know, just during worship, I just was sensing uh, maybe some of, some of us have been discouraged this week or this month or the last year and a half or two years, whatever it might be. And you're just, there's a little discouragement. And so um, can I, before we even open up the Word and jump into the message this morning, I just want us to stop for a moment. And uh, I know I face discouraging times for sure. And so um, it's just a good reminder. And one of the things that the Lord has given me, because He gives us tools, right? Because He doesn't want us to stay there. When we're praying, God, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know there's no discouragement in heaven. And I was like, wow, I love that. There's no discouragement in heaven. So what I pray is that His kingdom would come and, and take away those things. And one of the things that the Lord has given me for a tool for my life is just reciting his word when I'm feeling discouraged. Now, it doesn't, it takes me a while sometimes. <laughs> it takes me a while to kind of get, get amped up and, and remember who he is and who I am in him. And so the word that he's just been giving me that I've been saying over and over, even this week, is this, Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, it's, remember the old hand clapping song, yeah? Okay. This is the day, this is the day, I will rejoice, yeah, and be glad in it. Now you got to go high, here we go. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. A little impromptu uh, breakout worship session there. Thank you, Pam, for the encouragement to say, let's just sing it. Let's, um, let's sing it. Yeah. So this is the day. So you're facing discouragement in your life or whatever's going on. Just remind yourself. Maybe you're, you're distracted from yesterday. Maybe you are being haunted. And I use that word intentionally. Um, from the past. This is the day that the Lord has made. So rejoice in today. And... Um, and he will make you glad inside here. That's awesome. I saw the, one of the best memes I've seen in a while. You guys know what a meme is. Some of you do, some of you don't. It's basically a picture of somebody, and then somebody puts a caption on it, a funny caption. And so the picture was a person with a mask on. You know, we all have masks. Some of us still have them because we have colds and we going to different places. What are we going to do with the stack? Like, I have stacks of masks. I know somebody that makes them and has made hundreds of them. Is that an accurate hundreds? Thousands of them, the husband says, of masks. What are we going to do with those? Tammy, I have an idea. So the CDC is recommending, this is the meme, the CDC is recommending that we put them over our eyes when we fill up our cars with gas to, to prevent heart attacks, right? So, hey, if it works, go for it, you know. Get you off that heart medicine and just wear the mask while you're filling up your tank with gas because, whoo, my truck is 32 gallons. So do the math. 
and pray for me. Okay. And keep tithing. Okay, all right. Um, Hey, we are uh, continuing our series in the Following Jesus book. If you don't have one of these books, I really highly, just raise your hand, our ushers, our hosts have them. If you need one, yeah, raise your hand, be proud that you don't have one, and we're going to get you one. Um, You know, we're a Bible-believing church, and so we preach out of the Bible. We just finished over the last year, we we spent the whole year in John, and this is the series we're going through right now. It's just a reminder of... um, as we read our Bibles, when we're introduced to this incredible, amazing God, right over here, we have a couple right over here, that'd be awesome, that'd be sweet. We're introduced to an amazing God as we read our Bibles, and the Bible describes who we are, that we are made in His image, that we are created in His image, that He loves us and cares for us, and we yet, yet we still chose to do our own thing. Doesn't make sense to me, but we, we did and we do. And it's the redemption story that Jesus still came and said, I'm, I'm willing to lay my life down f- for them. And even, man, actually, great worship, but Mar- Pastor Marcy's not even in here right now, but she's out there. But the word that, about the rich young ruler, yeah, read that story. Jesus still loved him. Even though Jesus knew he would walk away, God so loved the world, he still sent his son Jesus. So this book is just reminding us, so how do we follow this God that we've been introduced to in the Bible? How do we follow Jesus? And it's very practical stuff. First of all, we need to know him. So it's not even the first chapter. It's just the introduction. It's called new life. What does it mean to have new life in Christ? What does it mean to have my old stuff gone? What does it mean that I'm a new creation in him? And so then how do I communicate with this God? Well, he just introduces us to you pray. Prayer is an absolute gift that we can talk and communicate with the creator of heaven. And then we worship. Last week we talked about the Bible and we tried to do that in 40 minutes. We breeze through it. And this week we're talking about water baptism. It's the shortest chapter in here, water baptism. And it got me thinking about, I grew up Southern Baptist. Any other Baptists in the house? Okay, ex-Baptist, Ooh. Okay, that ended badly, okay, all right, no, yeah, so I grew up Southern Baptist, and um, I'm actually, you know, I believe God is sovereign, so that, well, that means that God is in control, and so when I got saved when I was 13, 14 years old and introduced to Jesus, and he had me in a place that was very solid in the Word, and we opened the Word three times a week at church, well, four times a week, because we all went to Sunday school. And then we went to church right after that, the same day. And then you came back Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And then you came back Wednesday night, okay? And then you stayed late for choir practice. You just did it all. It was awesome. So I was really grounded in the Word of God, and then, then He filled me with this Holy Spirit. And I loved my church, and I prayed for a year, and we, I stayed there for a year. And prayed because I knew God was calling us somewhere else. And it was call, he was calling us here to, to serve under Pastor Alex and Pam. And um, yeah, crazy story. But when I was thinking of water baptism, I got to thinking of there's so many different ways churches baptize nowadays. You know, you realize that, you know, because we're traditional, we normally have our baptistry right here. 
And we have people stand up and we pray for them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we go backwards. You know, some churches actually baptize forward. We might try that. Okay, I don't know. Some churches sprinkle, some churches pour. Squirt gun, no. We've done radical, so I was a youth pastor for 20 years. We've done some radical baptisms. So um, we, at one time, we had, um, there's this cliff over in Blue Lake. Um, that was too high, so we went to the next lake over. It was about 15 feet off the, off the water. And we had leaders in the water, just to make sure. But we laid hands on and prayed for those who were being baptized up top. We didn't shove them in. Someone just said, then you shove them in. <laughs> we gently persuaded them. No, and then they just leaped off into, out of faith, they just leaped off into the water. And that was what we call radical baptism. We've had some pretty crazy baptisms that way. And just see the joy and what God does in baptism, it's really cool. It reminded me of, uh, well, see, we, we, the New Testament word, for baptism is, it really does mean submerge. It doesn't mean sprinkled. It doesn't mean dip your toe in. It means submerged, fully in, all in. I'm 16 years old, and I'm walking around the Puyallup Fair, right? Best time of your life. 16, walking around the Puyallup Fair. So me and my buddy were walking around the Puyallup Fair. Anybody, well, it's not the Puyallup Fair anymore. It's the Washington State Fair. I'm sorry. It's always the Puyallup Fair if you grew up in this area. Um, you know, there's great things like anybody, some of you are smiling like you're thinking of the fair. Some of you are like, I will never do that again. Okay? It is the same. If you haven't gone to the fair for 15, 20 years, it hasn't changed. They still have scones. Isn't that the best part? Scones? Yeah. Okay. The $20 corn on the cob is... So I'm 16 years old, and we're walking around, um, we're walking through the carnival section of the fair, and this guy goes, hey, hey, and we're looking around, and so my buddy and I, he's the guy running the dunk tank, and he goes, my guys didn't show up, I'll pay you, uh, I think it was like 10 bucks, I'll pay you 10 bucks, can you just do this for the next couple hours? Now you got to remember, now, 10 bucks for you, some of you right now, is like, there's no way I would do 10 bucks, but I was working at Jack in the Box at the time. Okay? I think every pastor at the church here has to work at Jack in the Box at one point in their life. Pastor Alex worked at Jack in the Box. If you want to know how he exited that job, just ask him. It's a fantastic story. I worked at Jack in the Box. Pastor Marcy worked at Jack in the Box. <laughs> Pam liked the tacos there. Okay, we're going to take a quick survey. Jack in the Box tacos, yes? Yes. Who, who has never had a jack-in-the-box taco? Just, I'm just, wow. Okay, keep your hands up. We're going to pray for a moment. Because <laughs> you need prayer, because after you eat one of those, you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, anyways, I do. I love those things. $1.19 for two of them. You can't beat it. Um, haven't had one for months, though. So anyways. So this guy, so 10 bucks. So I was making $2.35 at the time at Jack in the box. So when a guy offers you 10 bucks for working a couple hours, you're like, score. 
But we didn't have swimsuits. We didn't have anything. We had jeans and our T-shirts that we were walking around in. And it was windy and cold, but when you're a teenage boy, you don't wear a coat because you're, you're warm and cool, right? And so, so we jumped up in there for two hours, just splash after splash, bullseye after bullseye, dropping into that tank, fully submerged, fully dunked for two hours. And when I was thinking about the message this morning, just about what is, what is baptism? Baptism is that. It's an invitation that doesn't really make sense sometimes. It's come as you are, fully clothed sometimes, and it's I'm fully submerged. I'm all in. We had to be in. We had to like heckle. He told us, heckle people. And, you know, and so that, yeah, that was fun, yelling at people. And anyways, fully submerged, baptism. So what is the deal about baptism? On the outside, you're just like, I'm not really sure what that is. Why is this person going into a pool and, and going down and going under? It really is a cool picture. If you actually break it down, the picture of baptism is it's a celebration of new life. So when you stand there, you stand there as yourself. But when the leader takes you down under, you, what you're saying is, I'm no longer me. I'm no longer going to live for me anymore. I'm no longer going to say my will be done, but what I'm saying is what we sang this morning, God, your will be done, and I'm a new creation, so I die to myself, and that's the picture. I go under the water, and if you have a nice pastor, you only stay there for about a second, okay? Maybe some of you need to be held under a little bit longer, right? No, that would never happen here. And then you come back up out of the water, and what happens? You are brand new, brand new, fresh, new life. Anybody uh, remember their, when they were baptized? Yeah, I was baptized when I was 14 years old, right down the street, actually. I know some of your stories. Some of you, I know um, some of you like, were actually filled with the Holy Spirit when you were baptized. There's a few stories that I've heard. It's fantastic. I kind of want to debunk some of the baptism things out there this morning as we study, as we get into the Word. The New Testament word is to be fully submerged, to be fully wet. I mean, after all, if you went to a dunk tank and you hit the bullseye and the person just dropped down and just hit their toe, and their toe just got wet, or a little, a little splash, a little squirt, right? Not necessarily get your money's worth, but fully in, fully in. Such a great picture. Such a great picture. Well, Jesus was baptized. He went to the river. John, his cousin, was baptizing, and John was like, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to do this. And Jesus said, it's my time. And so Jesus is baptized, and what happens in that amazing, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that the heavens open up. That would be an amazing thing to happen, right? The heavens open up, and the Holy Spirit descends down from heaven and lands upon Jesus. And then, on top of that, a voice comes. And says, this is my son. A voice from heaven. This is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. This is my son. It was a testimony of, hey, what's going to happen next is going to literally change the universe. I'm not going to say just the world, but the universe. The universe is, 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 is. Can I get baptized at one church? <laughs> and does it transfer if I go to another church? 
Now, we laugh at that, right? A few of you laugh at that. But actually, that is, some churches make you do that. Oh, you can only, you're only truly saved if you're baptized here. I don't see that in the Scriptures, church. I just don't see it. Can I, I call it, can I be double-dipped? Meaning, you know, I was baptized like a long time ago, and I really didn't know what was going on. And so can I be baptized again? Well, my thing is, yeah, sure, why not? But do you have to? No. Because here's the deal. Baptism is really an act of obedience. And it's the first thing. It's one of the first things we do because it's a picture on the outside of what is going on on the inside. Because on the inside, you are brand new. God has made you brand new. And so you're, you just want to let people know that, hey, I'm brand new. I'm going to do this over. Here in the United States, it's not a really big deal for us to be baptized. It's kind of, we, you know, if you've kind of grown up around church, it's there. But in other cultures, it's a big deal to be baptized. In fact, in some cultures, because you are crossing, you're leaving one religion, one culture, and you're stepping into a new religion or a new culture, what they would say, they shun you. They beat you. Some of them even arrest you or even kill you because you're being baptized in the name of Jesus. Because you are saying, I'm going to follow him now. It's really an act of obedience. So if you were baptized, say you got saved on a Bible study and you got, and you're baptized right away and you're like, well, I really didn't know what I was doing. You're, well, this, I just want to say you're being obedient. You're doing what the Bible asks you to do. You're doing what Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples. And what did, what did Jesus say? Go and make disciples. And the first command after that, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So go and then baptize. And then he says to teach. Teach them to obey. Well, one of the things to obey is to be baptized. To show everybody around. It's a testimony. Like if, you're, if you get saved and you're like the only one in your family and you invite your family to come, with, I want you to know what's going on in me. And it's a great picture. I'm fully in with Jesus. I'm fully in with Jesus. Will I go to heaven if I'm not baptized? I've had people ask me that. Because some churches believe and teach that unless you are baptized, you cannot go to heaven. Okay? Again, that is not in the scriptures. And the best story for that is when Jesus was hanging on the cross. In fact, I want us to read it. Okay? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. So we know that Jesus was crucified on a cross, and, but I don't know if all of us know that there's two guys being crucified alongside him. They were thieves. They deserved what they were, the punishment they were getting. We know that Jesus didn't deserve it, but Jesus willingly went to the cross on our behalf. We're going to be in verse 39. And so while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's being mocked by the soldiers, by the crowd, by the religious leaders, and even by the, the thieves that were hanging on each side of him. And it picks up in verse 39, and one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But then the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? 
We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. (laughs) So Jesus didn't say, Time out, get off the cross, baptize the guy, and then they get back on the cross. So it didn't happen. And so here's proof that, no, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven, but it is an act of obedience. It's a reminder even to yourself. I think sometimes, <laughs> like in my office, I walk into my office, and right by where I set my desk, right there, so I can see it in my peripheral vision. I don't want to stare at it because it scares me, but it's right there, and it says, officially licensed by Foursquare as an ordained minister in the four-square gospel, and I look at it like, you, right? I have that on my wall to remind me of what God has called me to do, right? Baptism is a reminder. It's a testimony to those around, but it's also a reminder for yourself that I no longer live. It's not me anymore, but it's Jesus now living through me and in me. If you have your book, page 24, some great quotes in here. I'm just going to read a couple of them this morning. It's in the first paragraph about halfway down through. It says, deciding to follow Jesus is truly an internal heart decision. But water baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Jesus. Water baptism is also a symbolic act of aligning yourself with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. When you go under the water, you identify with his death. And when you come up out of the water... We identify with being raised up in new life like Jesus was. And then right under that, in all caps, it's like the author is yelling at us. It says, baptism is repentance and surrender. Baptism is repentance and surrender. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Heather and I are reading through Romans right now. We're almost done, actually. Romans chapter 6, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, if you, um, make sure you're reading the Bible in, in chunks at times, not always, like I've been focused on that one verse, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. No, we're not going to sing it again, but even though that was really fun, but this whole, this whole, this is a thought that that Paul is writing to the Romans, Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's about sin. It's about who we are. And this whole concept, right before Romans chapter 6, Paul makes a comment, basically says, where sin, where sin is increased, where it's there, grace is increased even more. Right? That is good news. So no matter what's going on in my life, that his grace is even more. But they were Romans. They were the number one country in the world, right? And they just thought, well, this is their thought process. Well, then if we sin more, then there'll be more grace. You see the thought process? So if grace abounds where sin is, right, then let's sin it up because then we'll get more and more grace. Well, that's not what Paul's talking about because we realize that what sin does is it kills us. 
Sin hurts us. It harms us. It fractures us. It breaks us. And maybe some of the discouragement that we face is because of some of our past sin, our past brokenness. But I just want to say this, too, that in Christ, there's no condemnation. You're free from sin. Those things that may hold on to you from the past have no power. I'm preaching to myself, church. The only power it has is the power I give it. And so what I have to do is I have to be reminded that I'm forgiven in him. That my past is forgiven. It's washed clean. And baptism, speaking of washed clean, is a picture of I am washed clean. Fully submerged. I'm all in. There is no doubt that I'm all in for Jesus because I'm willing to mess up my hair to go under the water. I don't wear makeup, but we've seen some pretty crazy faces come up out of the water with makeup, but it does not matter what we look like because we're new in Him. So the concept for the Romans were, well, let's just send it up then. I want more grace. I mean, I would say, I would say raise your hand if you want more grace, but I would just trust that every single one of you watching from home and watching or sitting right here would extend your hands. In fact, I would raise both my hands. I'll take as much grace as God will give me. So Romans 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall I say then? Shall I go on sinning so that grace may increase? (laughs) By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, to the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is a picture of new life. It's a picture of us, again, dying to ourselves. We're dead to sin, buried with Him in baptism, and then raised to new life. There's a great story in the book of Acts about baptism, and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. We're kind of bouncing around the New Testament this morning, but So we're dead to ourselves. We no longer live for ourselves. And I was just thinking, how many of us still are doing the same things we did before we met Jesus, and we wonder why life isn't working? We wonder why we struggle. But it's a good reminder that we're dead to those things. It's a good reminder that we've been given brand new life. So there's a story about the Ethiopian in Acts. I love the story because there's a couple things going on here. There's two main characters. There's, um, there's a follower of Jesus and a soon-to-be follower of Jesus. And you see the eagerness to serve and to listen and obey. I'm going to use the word obey. Um, it's not a bad word. It is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. Um, some of us treat the word obey as like a bad word. Jesus says, if you love me, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll obey me. You know, it's just like we say with our kids. It's out of a love relationship. So we have the one who's eagerly wanting to obey, and that's Philip. And then we have the one who's just seeking with all his heart. And the Bible says that if we seek the Lord with all our heart, we will find him. 
I used to have a really, and I've said this before, but I used to have, I used to judge other religions. And what I do now is I pray for those who are in other religions because at least they're searching. And so what I pray is, God, as they search, would your word come true? And would they find you in their search? Would it not just be cultural? You realize that some religions just become cultural. This is just who we are and this is what we do. But that's not what Jesus, Jesus is, it's not a cultural thing. It's a relational thing with him. Now, it will change cultures. But it doesn't become religion because it's still all about relationship. So I want to read this to you. We're going to start in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury in the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran, just like those teenagers ran to the altar, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? I love this guy's response. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like like a sheep to the slaughter, a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For this is the life, for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began. <laughs> I just love that. So Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look here, some water. What can, what can stand in my way or in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders for, to stop the chariot, and, the, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. That is a great story. There's a lot going on in this story. Again, the sovereignty of God, right? So this man who doesn't even know Jesus is going to Jerusalem to worship. He is from another country, but he recognizes Yahweh as God. And so he goes to pay homage and honor Yahweh in Yahweh's city, which is Jerusalem. So he goes to do that. Somehow he ends up with the the scroll of Isaiah. And he's going home, and then Philip, who is walking with Jesus, is prompted by the Holy Spirit, hey, I want you to go down here and just hang out, and I'll tell you what to do. And what does Philip do? I don't know. He just obeys just like that. And then they have this conversation, and the Holy Spirit gives Philip the wisdom to share. The guy says, yes, I want that. 
I don't know if Philip, it doesn't say, does Philip explain the whole baptism thing? I don't know. But they see water, and the, the Ethiopian guy says, what prevents me from being baptized? So they jump down in there, and they do that, and immediately Philip disappears. Right? Crazy stuff. It happens. It happens today, church. It doesn't always happen here where we see it. But I've heard these stories. These stories are happening all around our world even today. So it challenges me. I want to be like Philip. I want to be that one who, when God speaks, that I listen. I run out of obedience to him and do what he asks me to do. There are times that I don't run. There are times that I'm not even listening. I think there's times that we're not even listening. We're just so focused on our own stuff. We're all so focused on what's in front of us, what we have going on, what my calendar says, what my Google calendar pops up, what my apps are saying, all my news feeds, all that stuff, right? Sometimes those things dull us to the voice of God. I want us to be like Philip. I want to be like Philip, who when he hears the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that and obeys. But maybe some of you identify with the seeker here, the one who is like, I really need to know this God. I need to know who this God is. And as you seek him, I just trust that God will meet you exactly where you're at. That he'll bring somebody, he'll bring a Philip or a Filipina or whoever it might be to speak, to, to share with you, to love you and care for you and to tell you the truth about who you are and about who he is. Page 25 in our book. Second paragraph. I had to read this a couple times and I says, well... This is, this is a tough one, <laughs> but it's so true. Some try to follow Jesus without giving up their past life of sin. As a follower of Jesus, I cannot go on sinning and doing whatever I want or whatever I think feels right. As a Christian, God's thoughts, His Word, and His direction must be moved to the forefront of my daily decisions. So I can't go on living the life that I was living before. You know, and honestly, for me, I don't want to. In those moments, sometimes, yeah, it brought, it brought something. But most of the time, it brought just brokenness, shame, guilt, fear, frustration. Name the, the whole thing. It brought death. And so I need to walk in this new way. Water baptism is a picture of the new way. God wants us fully immersed, completely soaked, but not just in a baptistry, but in His presence. I'll say in His Spirit, fully immersed in Him. Not just once in a while, not just a one-time thing, but every single day, every moment of our day fully immersed in him. And so then when we're walking and like, hey, I want you to go stand over here, 
And you just go and do it, and then all of a sudden you have an encounter with somebody. I call those divine encounters, or sometimes it's divine chaos, right? Because he's divine and we're the chaos, and he still works through it. He's moving. He cares for people enough where he'll use us and put us in situations where we can love them and share with them. But baptism is an act of obedience. Obedience is a big deal to God. I think we're fooling ourselves if we, out of the relationship aspect of our Christianity, I think sometimes we kind of pull back on, you know, God does tell us to do certain things, and He tells us not to do certain things. And as human beings, we don't like to be told what to do. In the last year and a half, there have been a lot of divides because human beings don't like to be told what to do, right? But the Word of God is pretty obvious. When God was setting up a nation, a people that He was calling to Himself, He set up some rules, some ways that they can live so they could have life. Because left on our own, there's no life church. There's no life. Left on our own. And Jesus said it, unless we're plugged into Him, unless we are, He is the vine and we are the branches, apart from Him we can do nothing, right? So as, as God is setting up His nation, He gives them a list of ten things. Just to start, it gets a little bit bigger later and ceremonially and how they're going to build things and all that stuff. Cubits and 18 inches and all that stuff. Whole books were written about it. We're just going to talk about the 10. When's the last time you read those 10? And I'm talking about the commandments. It's not the 10 suggestions or the 10, oh, you might do this if you feel like it. But these are the commandments. I'm just going to read them because I think it's important. Exodus chapter 20. We just kind of, I shortened them up a little bit. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship false gods. You shall not never take my name in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath day holy. You know, the first four are our relationship with Him. The first four commandments really is between us and Him. Okay, so I'm going to worship you. I'm not going to worship my stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, when I get angry, bless you, I'm not going, when I get angry, I'm not going to use my God's name in vain. And isn't that interesting? That is so interesting to me because when you hit your thumb with the hammer or something happens, what, some, not, not maybe nobody in this room, of course, nobody in this room. Maybe some of you watch it. No, I'm just kidding. People watching from home know. But what happens when you're out, I, was, I work construction for years, what are the words you hear the most? Yeah, you hear the F-bomb, yeah, let's be real. But man, you hear them talking about God a lot. Man, they pray to Jesus a ton on construction sites. But they're not praying. It's out of van vanity. Isn't that weird? Just, it just comes out. Why don't you just yell Buddha? When you hit your, no, it doesn't happen because there's something inside of us, right? There's a rebellious thing inside of us, and we almost like 
we ought to curse God. And that's what he's saying here. Don't, man, don't use my name like that. And then the following six is not our relationship with him. It's our relationship with one another. Okay, so he starts off with kids. Honor your moms and dads. Or it will, it will go well with you. It's the only commandment that has a blessing attached to it in the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. <laughs> like, you shall not want what belongs to others. I mean, it's the word covet, but, but you're like, I don't know what covet means. Yeah. It's okay to admire, like, that's a cool ski boat. But to, like, long for it and, and wish for it and be bitter that you don't have that one. That's what coveting means. And God says, man, don't do that. When Samuel was rebuking Saul, so Saul was the king of Israel. Saul was all about image. It was all about show. It was all about religion for him. He didn't really have a relationship with God, but it was, it was all about show. So Saul did something that he knew he wasn't supposed to do. But he thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just put on a big show. I'll sacrifice thousands of animals. I'll make this huge deal. It'll be massive. Everybody will see. And Samuel comes to him and says, man, Saul, it's not about the sacrifice. To obey God is, to, is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And that is a good word for us because sometimes we don't even know what to sacrifice, right? And God is simply asking for us to obey Him. Jesus com- comforting His disciples because they know that He's leaving and they're not really sure what's next. And that's where He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And then He promises them the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. That's in John 14. I encourage you to read it. And I've already quoted earlier, but Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus, right before Jesus goes into heaven, he tells them to go make disciples and baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey. Teach them everything you know. Some of you might say, okay, well, God, you're asking me to go. I don't really know my Bible yet. But you know Jesus. Then just go teach them what you know about Jesus. That's what he wants you to do. But then get in the Word yourself and make sure you're still digging in this Word. The last sentence in this in the in the book says, "Water baptism is an exciting and powerful step into following Jesus." It really is. If you've never been baptized, then I encourage you to be baptized. We have a sign-up sheet actually out in the foyer. Um, we can do baptisms here. Love it. It's a celebration of what God is doing in you. We will celebrate you. And so I encourage you, if you're watching from home, you can send us an email, send us a text, call, do whatever you want. Um, we'll get you signed up, and we'll set a date here soon. And we'll have a baptist, baptistry right here, and we'll have a baptism service, and we'll celebrate new life. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long, long, long time. I've heard this before. You haven't been baptized, but then now you feel bad. <laughs> because... You know you should have been baptized a long time ago, and you put it off, and you put it off, and you put it off, and now you're like, it's almost, I'm just going to say it, it's almost like it's, it's a pride thing. Like, I don't, man, I've been going to church for a long time, and now I'm finally getting baptized? 
Just do it. Just obey. If the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do it, then just do it. Obey Him and, and see. Trust God. See what He'll do. See what He'll do. It's going to be awesome. If, you're, um, if you have the hairstyle like Doug back there in the back, um, yeah, it doesn't mess up your hair at all. Okay. And even if it does, who cares? We're screaming and yelling and clapping for you when you come up out of the water because we're excited for the new life that Jesus is, is pouring into you and the new life that will literally pour out of you through his Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to wrap this thing up. Someone asked me, how are you going to talk about water baptism for 40 minutes? I don't know. It's really an act of obedience, church. I just want to encourage you. So maybe some of you have been just dipping your toe in a little bit with him. And you're just like, well, I, I think I want to follow him. I just... Just like the rich young ruler, Jesus said, all in. And so I encourage you to be all in with him. No more dipping your toes. Just jump all in. We'll help you with that. The Ethiopian said, what prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> and some of you might be thinking the same thing. Well, sign up and we'll get you baptized. Nothing's preventing you from being baptized. It's not a magical moment. It doesn't have to be in the baptistry in here. We, we could go to the pond down the street if you want, okay? Fully in, fully submerged with Jesus. Maybe some of you have been baptized before, but you're thinking, yeah, I need to do that again. Then let's talk, okay? Let's talk. You guys, my, my phone number is in the, and email is in the church directory, so you guys can get a hold of me anytime. The other thing I want to say this morning is I want to challenge those of you that are walking with Jesus, that you know him already. A couple of things. I want to challenge you to get into his word and to know his word. That means that we need to read our Bibles. How much? I don't know. I just, just start. Just start, okay? And the other thing I want to say is I want to challenge us to be like Philip. I mean, when Marcy started off today and shared about those teenagers who, who were offered um, life, they were reminded that they're loved. And they literally ran to the altar. Hundreds. That is the God that we serve, that he invites us and welcomes us to come. And I want us to be like Philip who are, who are ready. When God speaks, we are ready to move. When God speaks, we respond. On his time, not our time. I, I understand that sometimes that's tough. Sometimes that's like really stepping out of our comfort zone. Like, God, you really want me to talk to this person in line at the grocery store? No, thank you.
I'm just going to say if God prompts us, he's going <laughs> to, there's a reason why. He's got a reason for it. People need life. People need that new life. It's not just for us to hang on to, but it's for us to give away in Jesus. Amen? So God, this morning, I just thank you for the fact that your word tells us to obey. Your word tells us to be fully in, fully committed, all in. Story after story. And God, we want to do that. We want to be those who are fully in with you. And God, I pray that if you're speaking to some of us out of that step of obedience to to be baptized, Lord, we would follow through with that. We would listen. And Lord, I also pray that as you speak to us in our daily routine, that we would listen and we would obey. God, that you would use us to change this community. God, there's so many people hungry for you. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch, they needed somebody to explain what they're studying and what they're trying to figure out. God, help us to be those who come in by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to come alongside them. Thank you for challenging us, God. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for loving us. God, we do pray that your will be done in the cities that we live in and that are represented at home and in this place right now. Your will be done in those cities and in our homes, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And the church said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Next week we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Do your homework. Okay. All right.